There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Welcome to the Rose Podcast number 643. Uh, oh. Shut up, Scout. Aw, uh, poor Scout. <laughs> Damn it, Scout. Oh, poor Scout. It's the most active you've been in two years. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Scout's been learning. Now, I don't speak dog very well, but I think what he's saying is that a, a witch has trapped his soul in a dog's body. He wants his potatoes? Roids. <laughs> Put your dick in its mouth to break the spell? Roints! <laughs> Don't give roints, I give roints! How dare you! Roints. Red shirt! Uh, who's on this episode, Chris? Schwing! Oh. Uh, anything on the Nerdist Community Corkboard? Oh, yeah, we got a cool one from Steven Cataroccio. And it, uh, it's a cartoon show called Concrete Jungle yep. about humans and animals existing in New York. And it features John DiMaggio, Hannibal Burris, and Open Mike Eagle. Fucking great. And the soundtrack is done by Merce and recognized from Merce Day, who put out my favorite record of last year. And uh, it's a cool pilot that they're touring around with stuff. You can go to Steven Catericcio. That's Steven, like you spell Steven with a V. And then C-A-R-T-O-C-C-I-O dot com. You just pushed off a lot of PHers out there. Well, they're fine, but this guy spells it with a V. So okay, we well. just made it. You just kind of marginalized them by making it say like you, you know, like you spell look, it. Stephen Stills, Stephen King, all important PHs. They got a lot of good people doing the Dorf. work. Dorf, Stephen, oh, the best of all of them. Yeah. So if you For, have a mixture of both, you got good pH balance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's no secret. Ah, you sure. Uh, thank you. Hey, hey, that was some really good teamwork, guys. You know, I really feel like we're growing as a group. <laughs> Uh, and now, this episode is two of the guys from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, uh, Rob McElhenney and Glenn Howerton. Uh, uh, Charlie Day was supposed to be there, but he had to get sick right before. Actually, Charlie, I hope you're feeling better. Actually, I really hope you're feeling better because we recorded this weeks ago. If you're not, you need to go to a hospital, man. Uh, new episodes of Always Sunny are Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. on FX. Episode 643 of the Nerdist Podcast. Now entering... Nerdist.com Okay. I thought you had a beer for a second. I was going to be very happy. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys. Nope, just what a day to break the sobriety. 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, I figured uh, 12 years. Yeah, I You did should it. call me the day I you decide. I could do it. <laughs> I would, I would oh want to be God. first on that. It would be like Bob Saget, then me, right? Yeah. I would probably have like a thimble full of beer and be like, oh, what did I do? Like it would be the worst. Uh, what did I do? I have that dream all the time. A thimble that full of beer that, that I fucked up. That I'm that I'm that I'm like. Wait, are you actually sober? Yeah, twelve years. So you have that. You, yeah, I have I have that recurring dream. I have it with smoking too. I quit smoking ten years, eleven years ago, and I have it too where I'm like gulp. What did I do? Yeah. Oh my god, and I'm smoking. Yeah, you, know, you, like you find yourself already in the middle <laughs> of like, it. Yeah, I'm already. <laughs> why did I? Yeah. What, I was what? wondering why I was having fun. What did he? <laughs> <laughs> Which I was wondering why I was yeah. suddenly having fun. I don't crave either of them. See, I, I, I hear that from people in recovery, and I that sounds so wonderful. To not alcohol recovery, yes, yeah, smoking not, recovery. Well, I quit smoking too. And I don't, and I kind of know your feeling. Like I don't, I don't crave cigarettes. I, I sort of wish that I wanted to smoke again. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's yeah. Totally, yeah, absolutely. Because, because I miss. That's what I miss. You miss the satisfaction that you used to get yes. from lighting a cigarette, and now you don't even crave that satisfaction. So you crave craving the satisfaction. Exactly. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I totally. So like, I kind of get that with booze too. But uh-huh. at the same time, I'm like, oh, I really love the guy. I really don't. Yeah. You know, yeah. because great. I quit. I quit um, for years and years and years. I drank. This these uh, these chai lattes from Starbucks every day because they're so good. They're sugary goodness. And in the new year, I just stopped drinking them. And it's been a month now. And when I think about, oh, it'd be really fun to go back and have one, I go, ah, this doesn't sound good anymore. Like once it's out of yeah, my system. Yeah. Now, are you drinking caffeine at all? No. So you stop oh, with the caffeine. Fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> no, seriously, fuck you. I have to tell you. I, I think caffeine is harder than oh, absolutely. Yeah. Hands fucking down. I'll down. tell yeah. you what has happened, no. though, is that... Are we... Let's oh, are we? Are we? Are we? Is this started. happening? Yeah, yeah. We're, I we're doing we're just this. having fun. We oh. are having fun. Oh. Uh, but well, then, uh, we can't do both. But I'll tell you that when since quitting like any caffeine and that and that much sugar in a day... I'm not as stressy during the day. I don't mm-hmm. crash during the day, which leads me to having to have another one. I don't crave them as hard because yeah. I'm not coming off the sugar. And for years, you know, I was just convinced, like, yeah, I'm, just, I'm not going to sleep more than four or five hours a night. I've been sleeping so much better since I quit. Well, can, I, can I ask you something? Yeah. How much of this is based on vanity because you want to stay thin? <laughs> and some of it is. I'm just, that's I'm the serious. only thing I'm that you're curious. Yeah. I'll tell you I'm that's curious. an excellent question because... When I first quit drinking, it was the thing, and I actually wrote about this. I wrote a I wrote a book about it, and I and I, I tell people like, if for no other reason, like let your vanity drive constructive decisions because sure. once you make them and get past it, then you go, oh, there's a million other reasons why I shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. But vanity, of course, you know, of course that's one of them. But I also, I also like feeling better. And so, not doing it like I physically feel feel better. Yeah, but yes, of course, there is a huge vanity issue. Uh, at yeah, the I mean, same I went time. off of coffee for eight months, and I felt fantastic. Yeah. And I'm so excited about <laughs> You're it. More and even I, during the day, I really thought I was done. I really thought I was done, and I realized I had a problem with caffeine in the same way that alcoholics, I think, have a problem with alcohol. When I did the classic thing of like, I felt great. I was having a day. We were shooting sunny. I think it was like season nine, maybe season eight. I don't remember. Anyway, 
And I was like, you know what? I, I, I feel good. And I, I'm a little tired today. But I think I want to have a little espresso. Yeah. And it's fine now because I'm off. It's out of my system. So I'm not like dealing with the addiction. <laughs> I had wow, it. These are boom, dark days. Like, it was so good, man. It was so good. <laughs> and I felt like, you know, I, I, I felt like, you know, I think the first time, you, if anybody's ever done cocaine, the first time you do cocaine, you're just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Holy shit. People no, don't do this all the time. Oh, some people do. Day. They're dead. Right. <laughs> and so, and so, so then I was like, but it's cool. I'm not going to have it tomorrow. And I didn't, I had, had another one like maybe three or four days later. And then I was like, yeah. And then it started. And then it was like every other day. Yeah. One, then it was every day, but only at one time. And the next thing I know, I'm like right back. Into yeah. It's funny. It. I, I, I had this conversation with a group of sober comics like, um, uh, Marin and Pardo and Greg Barrett. And, and, uh, and, and I was like, how long, if you took one drink again, how long do you think it would be before you were like way back in? And they all were like, a eh, month, six weeks, you know, like, because that's the trick is that you go, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And then you do it again and then you do it again and you do it again. The increments like, ah. between the amount yeah. of time between drinks gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. So the next thing you know, you're and that's how it is with me. With but it coffee. is. But I think there's also the psychological component of, you know, of um, r- ritualistic behavior is really comforting because when your life is crazy and frenetic, it gives you. Uh, just a moment that you can control because yeah. you know exactly how you're going to feel when you drink coffee or have a cigarette or have a beer. You know exactly what that moment's going to be and when the rest of your day is uncontrollable. And your guys' schedule must be fucking ridiculous. I mean, having to like write the show and shoot the show and I'm sure you probably edit the show as well. And mm-hmm. it's like you're – I mean, I can't even imagine what that schedule must be like. Well, it's funny because the sunny aspect of it is – in some ways the more manageable because we've been doing it for so long that we've gotten that down to a little bit of a science. Um, It's now the fact that we're also producing other things and (laughs) now we've all got kids and we're getting older. So I know for me, I'm trying, I'm a little bit more concerned. Well, I was always a little concerned with the nutrition and stuff like that, but you know, like how to feed myself so that I don't get ill and fat and ugly. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, like finding time to go to the gym, like that's the hard stuff. Is like finding how to schedule my life and get all the work in that I want, and also not drive myself completely insane so that my whole day is so rigidly scheduled. Which right now it kind of is. I bet the kid factor really does make make it because I don't have any kids. So for me, it's like, oh, well, I just work out in the morning before I go to work. But you're dealing with children in the morning before you go to work, so that's you right. don't, you know, like that's your. Maybe you could just like bench your kids, you know, just like oh, really, dude, you know, you know we oh. have weights in the office now. That, like, <laughs> yeah, that we're just just to release stress from time to time. We'll just go over and yeah, start. you get after those weights. Yeah. You get after those. Yeah, because I don't, I don't have any time to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I have. It's like my I have to schedule time for myself to work out because that really has become sadly like some of the only time that I have. To myself, even though I'm not really by myself, I'm surrounded by beefcakes and, <laughs> you know, and, and really obnoxious music and, uh, and a trainer who's yelling at me. But Sounds still, great. Somehow Sounds it's relaxing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. No, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it, though. I, this is, uh, I've been working with the same trainer guy for 10 years this year. And he's, wow. He's great. He's really great. And now if, you don't, if I don't do it for like a, a couple of weeks, I start to feel like um, – I start to feel like the the you know like the classic moment in a movie where like the youth elixir on the witch is wearing off and she's slowly right. turning back. You know, like I feel if I don't if I don't exercise, you know, because 
I'm sensing some obs- obsessive behavior. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. Ten years with the same trainer. It's just because I like, like he's just a, he's just a good he's guy. He's a good dude. Yeah, he's a good dude. If he wasn't good, I, I would have given up on the, a long time ago. He's the reason that I kept doing it. He's now, do you find guy. that you're as obsessed about working out as you were about drinking or No, not cigarettes? really. I mean, I, I, you know, I go, when, I, when I'm in town, I'll go three times a week. I go Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, and I'm not a guy who's like, we got to push hard today. Like, I just go in. I like the, you know, it is. It's more ritual for me. And, and, and also, it just makes me feel better. And, you know, I, I just, I don't want to be the guy that hits, like, 60 and then goes, oh, fuck. I should have really yeah, taken yeah. some preventative, you know. So, for me, it's more about staving off the, you know, the inevitable decline that we're all gonna yeah, have. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like before, when I worked out when I was younger, it was about glamour muscles and, <laughs> and looking good. And now it's still, it's still definitely a little bit that, but for now, me, it's a little bit more just like making sure I don't throw my back out when I yeah, lift my kid. That's exactly <laughs> right. If, if like, you, you, your back, like if you're not, if you're not stretched and kind of, and you're, you're not, your core gets a little weak, then yeah. it's like, you can literally just turn around and be like, I'm down. I'm out. I'm down for a couple mm-hmm. of days. Yeah, I feel like I, there was that one Louis C.K. Thing on, on Louis where he's, He's going. He goes to like a sex sh- store to get like a dildo for his girlfriend. I can't remember what it was. Like he just, for some reason he's buying a dildo, and it was great because the whole setup of the scene was it's going to be really awkward. He's got to go in this place. He's got he's like not comfortable being in a sex shop, and he wants to pick out a dildo, and he feels weird about it. The last thing you're expecting is is what the scene actually becomes about, which is him pointing to the dildo he wants and throwing his back yeah. out. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. It's so funny. He like he's like yeah, I'll take that one. Oh. <laughs> like, his back out, <laughs> pointing at the dildo he wants, <laughs> like the most humiliating moment of his life. Yeah, you get to a place when you start to get older, and you it's, you don't fall down anymore. You take a spill, and that's almost kind of the more scary thing. <laughs> like I, I slipped yeah. on some stairs, and like the only way it's like, what happened to you? I, I took a spill, and then like I was <laughs> limping for weeks. Yeah, and it used to be it used to be you'd take a spill, and you'd be like, Ugh. you know, you brush yourself off. Now yeah. you fall, and you're like, ah, I bashed my elbow on the. On the desk, and yeah. it, yeah. you fall it's down, fine. you turn it into push-ups. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fill some stairs, do some dips. <laughs> do some dips. <laughs> Just doing dips as you're falling down the stairs, like yep. turn it all the way down. Yeah, 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 man. So, I saw someone fall down the uh, ArcLight Hollywood stairs once. The, oh, oh, those huge oh. stairs. Oh. Yeah, it was a girl. It was, uh, it was when I was working there, and she was like rushing downstairs and slipped on the top one all the way down. You, well, if she was you, rushing down the stairs. What nationality was she when she got to the bottom? Oh. She was Croatian. Um, she, no, I, I imagine you watching something like, like that, and you, you can't help but think. Well, first, your first thought, of course, is that's awful. Mm. She must be really injured. And then your second thought is you see them tumble down the steps for what must have been at least ten straight seconds. You're oh, like, yeah, stop. stop! Yeah, yeah, just, just, um, <laughs> hold on to something. Yeah, <laughs> grab something. Brace yourself. Yeah, you yeah. can't. Did you stop. do anything, you really or did you just go? Hey, <laughs> no, I walked up to her. I said, "That's so embarrassing. Are you going to quit?" Uh, she worked there? Yeah, she was an employee there. We were working together. I did it to kind of like be like, it's like, you know, because there was other people there to take care of her. I thought I'd alleviate the situation, and then I got suspended from work. Oh, you did? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you, no, no one appreciated the jester in that moment. No, well, no, not at all. That's, not at all. Uh, I like the idea of seeing somebody fall down an extremely long flight of stairs and yelling at them, stop! <laughs> <laughs> like, like, as if they can, you know? Stop! Why are you just why don't you just cut that out? (laughs) Cut it out. (laughs) Which is which I think loops back down to obsessive behavior when when it goes, 
why don't you just stop right. falling down that obsessive stairway? Yeah, you know, because yeah. you, you it, there, there's a little bit of a uh, little bit of gravity at work. Yeah, are you non obsessive about stuff? Are you pretty pretty even keeled? I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm. I'm Glenn you know, would probably be be in better sh- position to answer that. Would you like me? To yeah, judge I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to hear you judge my behavior. No, no, you're not. No, what's what's funny about Rob is is he he gets really really involved. Like your 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 days tend to be really really packed, but that but it's not because out of obsession. It's that you you have this like thirst for experience and knowledge. So you're constantly reading books and constantly like oh, I'm going to learn how to scuba dive, and then you get super into that for a while. Though that's lasted longer than some other things. And now yeah. you're like super into jujitsu. Yeah. Now you talk. I heard you talking to somebody about because we're we're both building houses right now. And, Except uh, he's doing it with his hands, <laughs> with no power no, tools. No, no, no. I think I'm he learning carpentry. I think he's, he recognizes his shortcomings in that. Department. But I heard you talking about how you're, put, you're like you're putting jujitsu mats. On the oh floor. yeah, and I can just picture. Yeah. I know what's gonna happen. You're gonna put the jujitsu mats. Now you've been in jujitsu for a little while, and then he's gonna be like, I gotta rip these fucking jujitsu mats out. I'm not doing jujitsu anymore. I've moved on. Uh-huh. I gotta put, now I gotta put the batting cage down. You gotta put the batting cage down. There, but, you know, there's you gonna can, be a golf which, simulator. Which yeah, you yeah, can yeah. Karate chop the ball. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> they come, come at you. So you, ah, so that's interesting. So, so it sounds like there might be a little bit of a. Sounds like you might be have a little bit of a, an addiction to the yeah. um, change, the, the feeling of discovery, yes. like yeah. the the uh, you know, like the honeymoon period with with a, with something. Yeah, although I, as I've gotten older, I I think I've curbed the the desire to 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 just quit after a year of something. Right. Like yeah, the, the last few things I've been getting into, I've been trying to see them through. Although. It's yeah. tough to see it through when you don't have a lot of time. I think that's part yeah. of the issue. But yeah, I've noticed that too. Like you, 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 you less and less you'll get into something and then bail on it after a couple yeah. of weeks. Like you, you've stuck things out a little bit more. Yeah, I, I, I think it's. But you have like an like for me, it's also trying to find things that you're passionate about and enjoy outside of work. Oh yeah, which. I don't have a lot of those right now, which bugs me, and it's something I'm, I'm working on. I just don't know what those things are. You especially feel the weight of it, for some reason, at the top of the new year, where you're like, I should start something new. A yeah. new year, new, I gotta start a new thing. Absolutely. But then, it, there's, it's hard. Then, I mean, for, then you send more time too, to For me, too, like having it. kids, that, that kind of whipped me into shape in terms of looking at my own mortality. You know, I, you're looking at your, this thing that you've created that, looks a lot like you Mm -hmm. and starts to act a lot like you and sound a lot like you, even at two and three years old. And you realize like you've created your replacement. And so, (laughs) you know, and like I'm, I'm hurtling towards the edge of this cliff that eventually he's going to kick me off of and that he's going to be now the guy experiencing life. So I like want to try and get in as much shit as I can while I'm here. And you just got to have a baboon hold them up uh, over <laughs> an African savanna uh, as a bunch of animals uh, sing together. And then you, they bury you. Yeah, ritualistically. <laughs> Is that what they're singing in that moment? I think that's the, like, like That's not right? it. Yeah. They, when do they it's do Hakuna Matata? Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata. That's, that's a whole different fucking Jonzo. part of the... That's a, that's like a second act is Hakuna Matata. I don't know. I don't watch those movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's just for kids. I can't relate to these guys. They're lions. <laughs> <laughs> what do I got in common with them? Yeah. I ain't a lion. Hey, first of all, animals don't talk. Number one problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it looks fake. <laughs> it looks, looks fake. Yeah. It doesn't look real. <laughs> Everything looks, uh, I don't know, flat or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, all I know is that, uh, the, the thing that I remember most about, about that movie and Hakuna Matata is uh, when my buddy and I, Mike Furman, pass 
uh, caution wet floor sign that's in Spanish. We always go, cuidado piso mojado. That means wet floor. I don't know why. <laughs> that's, yeah. Every single time that I couldn't in my head when I see the Cuidado Pisa Mojado sign. That's when you know you have, you're with a true friend, is that you can say the dumbest shit that comes into your mind to that person, and they're like, I got you, man. I'm with you. Yeah. Like, my brain works that way, too. But that's yeah. what must be fun about having a show with your friends that you are writing, is that you can basically weave all those in and make your private jokes, like, Public public jokes. Well, that yeah, I mean that's the chemistry, right? Because it's funny with these guys because the three of us are actually so different. But I'm very different from Rob and very different from Charlie. We're all so different from each other, and there's this place where our senses of humor meet, which is really nice. But at the same time, we all weirdly come at humor from a different place. So I find both of those guys so funny, and it causes me to strive to be funnier and try to be smarter because I, I'm trying to reach the level that I perceive them to be at. So I like to think that in, in a way we sort of elevate each other in that way and, and, and fill in each other's, you know, gathers things that those guys are just better at than I am. And then I think I like to think maybe there are things that I'm better at than they are. But but it, it, it it's you know, it, it, it's nice when you find those people where, you know, they they enjoy your sense of humor and make it better, elevate right. it. And then you are also yeah, that you essentially are all elevating each other. Because you, you know, you compliment in the right. Just, there's something about a specific type of person and your personality that activates the right joke centers in your brain. And yeah. you all together make a thing. Yeah, it's like, yeah, anytime you have, I mean, I, mean, I liken it to having, you know, I mean, being in a relationship or, or having a dance partner, which I'm not a dancer. But, you know, I like to think you, you work with somebody who you feel like makes you, brings out the best in you. Mm-hmm. Um and, and and that's how that's certainly how I feel about these guys. I feel like they bring out the best in in me. I know that's the case. Not to get all yeah. Mushy. Well, what's also strange is that we're not we're not aesthetically compatible in a lot of ways either. Like we like we'll go and see the same movie the night before and be like, hey, I, you know, did you see that movie? I loved it, and like Glenn will hate it, and I knew he hated it because I liked it. <laughs> like we have very different opinions about so many different things, and yet for whatever reason. Then somebody will pitch something in the room, and Glenn and I will laugh at the same time. So we have like similar senses of humor, but at the same time, we have completely different yeah. ways of of looking at it. I don't know why. Well, I that's think that's why well, I think that's why you can continue to. There's a difference between Sunny and then like a classic sitcom, not in just the way the show is presented, but in the way that uh, you know <clears throat> sitcoms essentially are written funny. And then they just sort of plug people in. And then hopefully over time, it's mm. like, oh, mm-hmm. they find this balance between yeah. they understand who the characters are. But when you guys all know each other and the comedy is based off your actual relationships and your personal experiences, it's not like you're going to run out of personal experiences. It's like, you know, Louis could make Louis forever if he wanted to because all he has to do is just experience things and then express them. Mm-hmm. And and that that's such a that's such a more interesting approach to comedy then you know yeah it's much more organic it would be like the 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 equivalent of writing a stand-up act and having someone else perform it exactly it's just yeah i mean when you're writing your own material writing to your own strengths writing to the strengths of the people around you yeah it's a much more organic thing because we were also friends and we'd work together on different versions of the show and other things together prior to sunny so yeah, there's there's that, that there's that chemistry that's built in as opposed to writing something and then casting actors. It's like it's even more difficult for the stars to align to where it works in a way that is is really really special and unique 
um, when you're that much, you're that extra step removed. The actors are that extra step removed right. from the material, so they're trying to portray something. But yeah, it's just it's it's different. Well, and well, it's like it's like every time they've tried to do like an American version of the show Peep Show. It's like, you know, like Mitchell and Webb, like they worked together for years and that's what made the original British peep show work. And then they try to do an American version where they just cast two different actors to be good buddies. And like it, do- and it hasn't worked. I mean, they like tried they it twice. They Laurie and Fry. <laughs> Fry and Laurie. Like, yeah. Like, oh, you yeah, can't. Yeah. It's because Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie work well together. Yeah, exactly. Can't. Yeah, we get, um, because we produce shows now too, we, we get a lot of foreign f- formats, right? And so we'll watch uh, a DVD of a, of a show uh, in England that does really well. And this just happened recently where all three of us agreed that we really liked it, which is so rare. So we're like, great, let's, let, let's see if we can adapt that for American television. And they're like, okay, great. And we're like, okay, let's meet with the actors. No, it won't be the actors. Okay, who, will it be like the, the, the writers? Well, not really. It's like an executive producer. So what are we buying? <laughs> Just the idea for the show. And we're like, well, the idea for the show is fine, but that's yeah. not what makes a great show. I mean, the idea for our show is five people who want a bar in Philadelphia. It's yeah. not it's a great special. idea. There's not a great idea. I mean, uh, Seinfeld was a show about nothing. The Simpsons is a family in Springfield. You know, it's about who's going to execute that particular vision. So we run into that all the time, we're, we're, especially in television. You're not buying the idea or the premise. You're you're hopefully buying the people that create it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I think that's another thing too. Is we'll get I'll get sent a script from somebody like, hey, I wrote a pilot. It's great. And you read it, you're like, yeah, it's pretty good. Check out the premise, and the premise is really, really interesting. And then you talk to them, he's like, well, do you want to run this show? Well, I don't really know how to run a show. (laughs) And it's like, but that's really what you're buying, especially with a show, because a show has got to go on for years. you got to write so many episodes of that thing. The most important element of it is the people behind it, the brains, the point of view behind it. Because the premise is just like, yeah, anybody can think of like, hey, a plane lands on an island and it's and then you're stuck. And then there. you run out of it after half an episode. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like... Yeah. I mean, most of the most of the more successful shows, really, the premise is kind of extremely simple. I mean, think about Cheers. Certainly for comedies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah certainly for comedies. Yeah. It's, it's slightly different. Slightly different. But even when you think about some of the most successful dramas, that's the case. Law and Order. Like, what's that about? Like, that's, that's not really a premise. Well, you see, the criminal like justice system is divided into two <laughs> oh, boy. parts. Oh, boy. Police that investigate the crimes. Yes. The, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> prosecute the... That's about as high concept as it gets. <laughs> boom, boom. You think? Law and Order? It's a show about cops and, and lawyers. Yeah. Well, yeah, but the first half of the show is about the crime and then how they solve the crime. I don't know. I think CSI Miami is pretty intense. You think that's a format? You you think that that's a character-driven? No, I think it's a format and not a premise. I think so. You know what I'm saying? Like the procedural thing is like it's almost more of a format than a premise. You know, each week we're investigating a new crime as opposed to. You know, uh, something that's much more um, serialized. Like, I don't watch Sleepy Hollow, but when I first saw the trailers for that, I was like, a show about a headless horseman? How many episodes are you going to be able to do about that? Like, yeah. what, what, what's, you know what I mean? And again, I haven't seen it, so I can't speak to that. But, um, oh, you did. <laughs> no, 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 I don't know. I, I know. And, the point is, it they, turns uh, you off as a viewer automatically because you don't want to necessarily. Yeah, of course, that's just me because yeah. I, 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 I know too much, but like, to the average person, they might go, oh, cool, awesome. Like, they'd have the opposite reaction. They'd be like, how are you going to do a show about that? Let me watch and see. As opposed to me, I'm like, they're not going to be able to pull that off. So I don't even give it a shot. You know I, what think, I, mean? I think I think Law & Order owes you know, part of the success <laughs> to the format. 
And also, I, I I always enjoyed watching the marathons just to see like which of my New York actor friends would yeah. turn up. Oh yeah, because <laughs> uh, it's all of it's them. It's everybody's yeah. first. Literally, job. everyone. One yeah. of my first jobs. And you can't tell yeah. me that part of Law and Order's success initially wasn't due to the fact that it was created by a guy named Dick Wolf, which is the greatest <laughs> name. It's a great could, producer. Name. It is the greatest yeah. Yeah. name. Dick and Wolf in the same. I mean, yeah. that is the it conjures up the image of a man who's constantly hungry for Dick. <laughs> yeah, dick like, a, like a Dick predator, yeah. like somebody yeah. who's just like dick you know predator. always on the hunt for a, a, like a, a dick, dick hound. No, no, it's worse than that. Wolf is one bigger than a, he's not a domesticated. It's not Dick no. domesticated dog. That's yeah. right. It's Wolf. That's a yeah. wild dog. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he'll do anything for dicks. Yeah. He doesn't. There's no rules there's with this yeah. guy. That'd be like Dick Lion versus Dick Tabby. Also, it kind of describes just like a shitty wolf. Yeah, that? yeah, it's a real dick wolf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's dick that, wolf, right, dude. right. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, that's that. Yeah, that's not unfortunately not where my brain goes. <laughs> it, <laughs> well, this well, is I a Rorschach test, the other and <laughs> basically, you see yeah. what you want. But uh, it, Charlie was actually going to be here today, and then yes. uh, and then he got sick. So uh, I will be sitting in uh, as Charlie because we look somewhat similar. I've been told many times. Yeah, I see, yeah, I see you that. do actually. We're, you know, when he, yeah, I see that. I could probably do the. Uh, yeah, little yeah. Who's that? Yeah. What was um, Charlie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. good. That's nice. uh, a little higher. <laughs> yeah, what's up with that, little bit? Oh, yeah, who's that? Uh, fuck you. Bob, <laughs> don't you cross your arms at me. Uh, yeah, there, there's a handful of us that are cut from the same genetic cloth. You got uh, <laughs> me, Charlie Day, Aaron Paul, and uh, Matt Bellamy from Muse. Like, we're all, if we yeah. were all in the same room, it would look, it would be like the Twilight Zone where they, like, where someone goes and picks out the type of yeah. body that they want. <laughs> you could be you like the, the, the Kings of, of Leon. Like, yeah. you know, just all like, <laughs> <laughs> similar looks, you know, all. Yeah, like, all just all to the. Now, would we, if we were to perform together, would we all have a distinct spin on that look or would we all try to, you know, like beat, like early Beatles style, like all right. look the same? I don't know. I think that that would be, that would be up to you guys. I mean, you know, um, but I'd like to see it. I think actually the way to do it is that we all take on the persona of different points of the same character's life, and we mm. present those all together in one in one musical extravaganza. <laughs> nice. At the very least, it sounds like a good funnier dice guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we could pull that off. Which yeah. character do you think? Like uh, Marty McFly? Would you guys all play a different version of Marty McFly? No, I, no. Well, it could be Marty. It could be McFly, yeah. or it could just be all like whatever the whatever the mythos of that. Specific, like we create whatever that is, yeah. and we're just all different parts of of that, or different personality types. Of it's that one guy. guy, but it's different parts of his life in history, and you guys all time travel to the present to start a band. Yeah, it's like the Beatles meets Herman's Head. <laughs> yeah, meets... it's like the ultimate solo project. Yeah, yeah, it's just a yeah. band full of you. All right, so we're gonna definitely make this now. Uh, what are you guys in season six? Ten. Ten. <gasps> I had no idea it was 10. Yeah, 10. I know. That's what everyone not, not as a discredit to you. It's just time is moving. No, I know. Crazy. It's also, I think, nobody knew it was on for the first four years. And then certainly when Netflix came into play and we got up on Netflix and... And, and Hulu. And, and Hulu first. But mm-hmm. Netflix is really... And, and, and also when we syndicated on Comedy Central... Then it almost feels like it, like it became ubiquitous within like the yeah. sixth or seventh year. Yeah, it's and then a we common... were getting that question a lot. What, what season are you guys in? Two, three, and we were on eight. Mm-hmm. That, I thought it was six or seven. That's that's unbelievable. Ten. That's unbelievable. Yeah, ten is airing now, and we're writing season eleven right now. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And is FX just basically is their opinion just 
keep going in, until you don't want to do the show anymore? Seems that way. I think it's keep going until we can't afford it anymore. <laughs> I think it's probably probably where they're at, uh, which you know will hopefully push them to that point as as, as soon as possible. <laughs> uh, one year at um, SF Sketchfest, which is a, I don't know, have you guys done Sketchfest before? No, well you know it's fine. We're not. It's weird because we're we're this. Not as a sketch group, but it, but they have yeah. panels of shows go up there. Oh, so I see. The word sketch is a little. Uh, it's kind of a misnomer. There are sketch groups and improv groups, but there's also stand up and panels, and right. Music shows and, and whatnot. No, I don't think we've ever been invited to that. Devito went up there one year and did something with I think with James L. Brooks, and it was some sort of a. I don't know if it was quite like a cheers reunion, but there was a there was a handful of people up there, and apparently. No one recorded it, but apparently he told the greatest fucking stories because he had no filter about anything. Like he just that sounds about right. And yeah. the stories were apparently mind blowingly amazing. And I, and I there's no record of it anywhere. Wow. Yeah. No. That that's well. He definitely has no filter. It's always good to have a mic turned on when uh, <laughs> when that guy's around. You you might get some, but it's but you got to wade through a lot of. You need a good it's editor. Like, yeah, you need a good editor. It's like you're gonna you're gonna have to. There's gonna be a lot of fat, and then there, there's gonna be a lot of fat and gristle, and then you might find a little nice little nugget of filet mignon in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of marbling. It adds flavor, <laughs> but then it's not all edible. Yeah, not not yeah. As Rob said, not unlike his his physical body. Were you? <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd be great on the grill. Like you just, he'd I think delicious. I think some Devito steaks would be yeah, would be really good. I don't know. It might be a little tough. No, he gets massages once. A week. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Does he stay hydrated? He, well, with vodka. <laughs> so he's fan, potato fed. Uh, is uh, the man seventy? That's yeah, unbelievable. 70. Seventy. No, what's unbelievable is you if you come out and hang out with us on a Friday or Saturday night with him, and then you see what a seventy-year-old man can do. That's what's unbelievable. Yeah, we'll be there. Right. Yeah, sure. Go. Really, he's he he will. I I, I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever stayed. Well, no, I yeah. He will. He can tie it on and stay out later than any of us. Uh, I've, I've been at Coachella with him a couple of times, and it's 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 mind blowing how a human being can take that heat <laughs> and the just the sheer length of the day, mm-hmm. uh, coupled with whatever it is that he's putting into his body, <laughs> uh, and and. <laughs> <laughs> and every different, he loves music, all different kinds of music. And he'll go to the, he'll go to the tents. He'll go to the, 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 the sideshow carnival freak type stuff. He's into it. I mean, he's no, he's right. he's something to aspire to. Certainly, uh, not with regard to the things he puts inside his mm-hmm. body, but with regards to his, you know, as as a seventy year old man, he's still exploring life. You know what I mean? Like he still finds fresh and new things interesting he's yeah. constantly exploring constantly searching for what's his next project going to be you know and and he stays in touch with what's going on and some can of, keep you young you it, uh, yeah that's, it that's what he does and that's how he stays relevant yeah no, and that's why he he's transcended you know the the last three generations of television viewer because kids know who he is and your parents know who he is your grandparents know who he is. yeah and he's got you know he uses his kids as a gauge for that because he's got you know three kids in their in their 20s i think one's now in her 30s but uh uh, you know, and he, he, I mean, actually, I think it was that, was it them or, or was it John that turned them on, uh, him on to our show? Yeah, it was the kids. Yeah, his kids watched our show. So when we approached him about the show, he knew about the show because his kids were fans of it. I don't think he ever would have done it if it hadn't been for that. Oh, wow. And were you, were you initially, uh, was there any sort of comedy intimidation at all? Or were you immediately like, we didn't yeah. want to do it. 
Really? Yeah, no, we, we got forced into it. I mean, in the beginning, we had a show without him. The first season was, was without Danny. And then nobody watched it. And so um, John Langreff, who's the president of FX, he called me in for a meeting and was like, hey, uh, no one's watching the show, but we love it. We want to keep it on. But we don't have any money for marketing. And we need to add somebody with some panache that we can hopefully parlay into some public relations uh, story just so we can get people talking. So we were really reticent, you know, to, to add anything to the, to the chemistry, you know, uh, that might destroy the chemistry of the, of the show. And uh, they started knocking around different names, and Danny's name came up, and we were like, well, I guess that kind of makes sense. And Ted McGinley, I'm well, sure. Was Ted, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, it's not that we were reticent to the idea of adding Danny to the show. It was yeah, not specific to Danny. Yeah, it was that Just we were reticent to add a name to the show, to, yeah. you know, because we kind of liked that we were no names and that it was this weird small thing, you know. And you also don't want it to be all of a sudden that guy's show. Yeah, when right. You've built this thing. Yes. It's like, Oh, well, now it's the Danny Vito show or the whoever else comes in, and now we got to write for that guy. And then you don't want to add in Poochie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he was, and, and I remember our first reaction was like, you know, no, I don't think we want to, I don't just don't think we want to do that. And they were like, oh, okay, well, then, you know, the show's over. And we were like, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, we'll consider it. We'll consider huh? Yeah, we do. We would do. Uh, so then, you know, so then Danny's name got brought up, and I went over to his house and talked with him, and he was exactly who you. Imagine him to be. He was great. Yeah, I mean, as, as in terms of the kind of names that were being thrown around, Danny was perfect because, you know, he's one of those guys, he's made a career out of playing, not that he's he played only despicable characters, but he's played a shitload of despicable characters, and our characters are kind of despicable, but they're we like to think that they're lovable in their own way, and, you know, Danny's one of those guys, a very unique career of a man who's played so many despicable people, and yet everywhere he goes, you'd think that he always played the the happy <laughs> uncle or dad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, people love that guy, but I think it's because they do love dis- despicable characters. But he's such a lovable, likable person that I think you sense the warmth and likability underneath all of the despicableness. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's why people like him so much, besides the fact that he's really fun size. Um, <laughs> you know? <laughs> People like fun-sized things, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> you know, what would you eat? Would you eat a Snickers bar? Would you no. eat three fun-sized Snickers bars? I mean, bars? That right there, that's three times the fun. Yeah, that's right. It says fun right on the package. That's right, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a... I always thought fun size was a genius marketing <laughs> yeah. campaign for charge you about the same for a lot less of the thing. Like, that's... <laughs> Oh, well, it's fun. It's, it's worth it. I mean, the other yeah. ones... You That's know. right. You're paying more for the extra fun. What do you get? I just get this weird... This other one's just this dumb plebeian <laughs> brick of boring chocolate. You right. know, like fun is... Who doesn't want that? Yeah. I think yeah. that's how Danny's agent... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how he negotiates. He doesn't take up much space. Come on, <laughs> <hydro>. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of a trailer, you can set up a mini Cooper, and that's then right. just put a toilet in it, and it'll be fine. <laughs> the irony being that his trailer is by far the biggest. Of course, <laughs> of course it is. I think he's earned that. He's seventy. He's earned. Yeah, he's, yeah, earned, yeah. That. he's, he's earned that. He's absolutely earned that. But he bought it. He bought it for. Um, uh, 
wasn't War of the Roses. It was uh, Ruthless was it People. No, no, no. It was later in his career then. Right? No, yeah. it was earlier. What was the one he did with Michael Douglas that you love? Uh, Romancing the Stone. Stone. Romancing the Stone. Yeah, it was yeah. for Romancing the Stone. So That's pretty how smart. old this early. thing is. It's pretty smart though, because what he does, he he bought the trailer, but then he charges the productions that he to does rent like, it. To, yeah, rent to rent it. From. Yeah. So he's paid that. He's paid for it. You know Fine. what I mean? But the problem is, great idea. I'm telling you, man. There's so much money to be made from chargebacks because you just go well. You're going to rent this from someone else anyway. That's right. So you yeah. kind of give them a little bit better of a deal. It's a genius. It's we, a genius we figured that out a few seasons ago. <laughs> yeah, we're but, working on that. But yeah, Danny, so, but here's the downside. Danny's trailer, since it was bought in 1984, it was built in 1983. And I don't think it's been updated since. It's posters of Heather Thomas inside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks pretty good for a, for a trailer that old. Huh? I sp- when was the last time you were in there? Well, every season. It has a VHS. What? Oh, you know, that's cool in its own way. <laughs> it's unfortunate that there's no way to interview a trailer to just <laughs> yes. to just the stories. Uh, yeah, just the stories. Like if you could animate an object, right. That yeah. trailer. Whose trailer would you want to interview? Um, out of any, out of any celebrity and any any movie star. I think you got to go. I think you got to go for a dude like Stallone or someone who oh. was. Really famous in the 60s and 70s um, when you could basically get away with anything. Right. And there was – like people weren't as concerned about – like there was just – you know, there, there was more random – Less sexual lawsuits. That's yes. what you want to yes. say yes. but afraid to say. Well, I, yeah. I, I, was saying, I was saying like just more where I think people – You're were, not – less accountability. Because less accountability yeah. back then. Yes. You know, more, <laughs> way more uh, – yeah. Not everyone had camera phones. And, no. Yeah. yeah, right. Way more drugs. Well, I don't know. Maybe there's just as many drugs now. But I always think of the 70s as like, no, that's when people were really – No, there were definitely more back then. I mean it, it's not that they're not around but I think it was just – it seems like it was much more out in the open. I mean it was that's more because, social. Because you could cheat on your spouse and the, it wasn't – there was no way for that person to ever get back in contact with you. Right. Yeah. Now they're, you're one step away from just yeah, literally Twitter, texting Facebook, to just, texting yeah. somebody's spouse, and that's, that's right. the end of it. Yeah. So, so, so Warren Beatty, I, Warren Beatty, Warren Beatty would yeah, have a great. Oh movie. yeah. Well, you know, well, you know, Bob Evans did a wrote a book, but I'm sure that I'm sure that would be an insane. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Warren Beatty would be pretty amazing. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Beatty. You're gonna go with Beatty. Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Schwarzenegger. Oh yeah, that's a good one. What was he doing? Yeah, what was he doing? Just what was he out. doing? It would be the most boring thing. <laughs> Finally, we get to know what he was doing the whole time, working out. <laughs> Fuck! Why did I pick Schwarzenegger's? <laughs> oh man, shit. Uh, Tom Cruise. No, I don't think I don't uh, think Tom Cruise's trailer would be that interesting. I think uh, I think yeah. it would really have to be like Burt Reynolds probably had a pretty interesting yeah. trailer. But you know, like so did Dom DeLuise. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean right. for a different reason. Right. I don't know what that is, but there's something going why Dom, on in there. Yeah, why Dom Del? I don't do know. Think, what do you think was going there's on something, there? Something. I think it just probably just smelled like farts. The whole yeah. thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> Marty Feldman's trailer. That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> you want to know what's going on in Marty? Yeah, Feldman. yeah. What about weird <laughs> shit. Yeah. Eye who charts else? and shit. <laughs> like fucking just. Who else back then had a had a had a Lee Majors? Lee Majors from a t- on a TV on the TV side. Sure. Yeah. 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 Charles Bronson. Because you know Lee Majors like so? like with see you got to think volume in short in short bursts because you know like Schwarzenegger would assume well, this is never going to end right because I've I'm, I've been a movie star I'm going to be a movie yeah, star yeah but he Slot was like Stone a voracious suit. sociopath I mean you know like you you know that he was getting after it like regardless but like that. Lee Majors knew it was a finite amount of time do you think he knew right? 
No one ever knows. Everyone, I think, I think most people think like this is this is going to last. Gonna you know what? Yeah. I yeah, think like, maybe we got to go farther back when I think the disparity between a person's public image and their private life was immense. Like I think you got to go like Cary Grant, Hugh Beaumont, or like someone unassuming on television that you would never think anything about because they played like a TV dad. But in their private that, life, it was it was probably like you know harnesses and bakelite dildos because uh, <laughs> oh Mike Brady plastics. yeah of course right oh, yeah there of who, course who Mike Brady what oh, was his real name play. oh uh, oh right right uh, Robert Reed yeah Robert yeah. Reed so yeah. he had a completely different life outside of that show um, the uh, Raymond Burr who played Perry Mason had a had like an island and a completely different kind of uh had to lead a very secret life it was i mean why was why was his life so secret what was he i believe he was gay oh he was and i didn't know that kate do you want to look that up so i'm not uh (laughs) slandering anyone check the internet uh (laughs) raymond burr b-u-r-r well what's the bigger slander saying it or saying that it's slander for saying it for saying it i mean i mean (laughs) right that's a gag good question in this that seems more slanderous to me it's only slanderous if 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 the recipient perceives it to be that yeah um Mm -hmm. but you know but but particularly actors that time like robert reed and raymond burr there was zero tolerance for for right for gay culture right you know and so they really had to yeah, that Ray. Oh wow! So so he had a whole island of of fantasies happening. Like <laughs> <laughs> good times. You shipped him in. You know, Perve Vichay. That's the trailer oh, you want. Oh shit! I, I bet you Merv Griffin had a few islands. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Merv. Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, he had yeah. more money than uh, most people. In, yeah. Oh my goodness. In industry, God, in those days. Oh, you imagine owning a piece of a television show like in the seventies, uh, owning a bunch of TV shows in the seventies. Oh, it was insane. I mean, we, yeah. Now, now it's just so hard to make that. You just can't make that kind of money on television now. Not even on network. No, because there's just too many things. To, the audience is too spread out. Man. And and now they, you know, now networks do this really funny thing where they, uh, they ba- and there's no real rhyme or reason behind it, but they'll go. Uh, well, we're going to shoot a presentation. We're like, you mean a pilot? No. no. Yeah. It's a pilot, but for less money. Oh, so you don't have to pay everyone. You want everyone to work for free. That's the, mm-hmm. that's yeah, the one. Yeah, well, that's presentation. The, one. The, thing, the thing that I've experienced lately is they go, it's like, we'll give you money. You make a couple scenes from it, knowing full well that everyone that hears that is going to go, fuck them. We'll make the whole thing for that amount of money. That's <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly. what I'm dealing with right now. That's what I've dealt with last year. Yeah, it because it sucks. just benefits you to give them the full yeah. show. Yeah, so exactly. They can, so they can see what it is. And then they see how well you made it for how cheap, and you go, but that's I had so many favors. But you did it once. No, you could do it again. Was, it was nothing but favors. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Like you can do this every week. <laughs> uh, yes, that's we just did that. Actually, we just did a, a presentation because they weren't totally sure on the thing, and and we did exactly what you said. Yeah, we were like, we were like, we're gonna let's just shoot the whole thing. What other yeah. shows yeah. are you producing? Uh, I just directed a, a pilot that we produced for um, Bill Burr. Are you, do you know Bill Burr? Bill's, yeah, I, I think Bill might be the best, the best comic comedian. working. Yeah, today. he's amazing. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. Yeah, he's so, great. Yeah. He's the star of it. Um, mm-hmm. He's married to in the show. He's married to Regina King. Uh-huh. You know Regina King. Yep. Uh, and have you ever seen Black Jesus? Uh, no. Have you oh, not? Man. Oh, you got to no. check that out. Yeah, on Adult to... Swim. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that show's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe it. the premise is just that Jesus is has has in fact risen. And he lives in in I, South I Central. Yeah, I don't know that they go into why he's Jesus, but but basically, this guy Gerald Slink Johnson plays Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. the Lord and Savior. But he lives like in what, is he yeah, live in Compton yeah, or Compton, something? Maybe. He lives in Compton and just hangs out with his homies. Yeah. But he is Jesus, and yeah. he talks to Jesus, but he just hangs out and like smokes weed all day and yep. stuff. 
Uh, anyway, it's really funny. The guy who plays him uh, is is the third lead in the show. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. So that's a series for FX. And we, we just delivered the pilot, so we'll see what they have to say about it. But Bill was great. Yeah, it's like I'm loath to talk about some of them because some of the like, I mean, I've got a show that's coming out on Ovation. Cool. Uh, it's a, well, we have a show. It's a music documentary show. It's not a comedy at all. It's totally off brand. But um, well, what is it? Uh, it's called On the Record with Mick Rock. Um, you guys familiar with Mick Rock? He's a was a rock photographer in the seventies. Well, yeah. he still is. He still you know is a major uh, photographer. But um, he was like known as the guy, the man who shot the seventies because he yeah. shot I- Iggy Pop and Lou Reed, David Bowie. Did yeah, like, he's the one that did the uh, the famous uh, Iggy Pop when he's like, yeah. staying on top yes. of the crowd, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, so that was Mick Rock. So he's our host. He's a madman. He's hilarious. Well, he probably has better stories than Davido's oh, trailer. Oh, yeah, 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 he's got amazing amazing stories. Um, it's kind of a travelogue. We go to different cities, meet up with different artists, oh, and that's it's great. Like music documentary. Yeah, show. yeah. Um, what else we got? I feel like we have we have, a we few have an things. animated series. Well, again, that's a, yeah. It's like fun. some of these things are in the like the music documentary show is definitely going on the air. Uh, the other things are more kind of in development, or we've shot a pilot in and various you know. stages of the process, or being held up by legal departments or yes. various yeah. entities. That's uh, right. That's right. It's always, I, it's always really fun. I did produce a movie though that's coming out February twentieth that I'm very excited what? about. What? Yeah. What is yeah. it called? It's called All the Wilderness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an indie, so it's limited release, but, uh, there's some great people in it. Cody Smith McPhee, um, Virginia Madsen, Danny's in the movie, uh, Evan Ross and, uh, Isabel Furman. So it's a great cast. It's a really good movie. I met, uh, I met, uh, Virginia Madsen somewhere sometime and she was a riot. Mm-hmm. She was great. Yeah. She's really funny. But yeah, it'll be in, it'll be in theaters, uh, February 20th and uh, video on demand at the same time. Nice. If you go to the Arclight, you can see people falling down the stairs. <laughs> you good. You <laughs> some kid introduce it. Was she okay? Yeah, she was fine. Okay. She was a bigger girl. She was fine. All right. Uh, she yeah, didn't yeah. have to put that in. What, what is that? <laughs> no, she was like, like, she was like, she played sports. She was like a, you know. She was oh, a strong. Girl. She was yeah. a strong girl. Yeah. Oh, fit. Fit. Okay. Yeah. I, this is what I'm talking to say. I keep going back to this. I feel like, and again, I could totally be wrong because I've never fallen down a flight of stairs, but I feel like if I was... I'd be able to fucking stop myself. Is well, that wrong? Long, that, no. It's it's a when, when you've steep got that much of, fucking yeah. time when you fall down that many. Yeah, but you know those steps of the arc like, like it's yeah. pretty steep. But I, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Do but you feel yeah, like you'd be I able to like, stop yourself after after like you just like. I'll you bet. Know what I think it is. I think it's like there's moments where you try to stop yourself and you only end up like making Propelling it worse. Yeah, yeah. like if oh, you don't, yeah. Yeah. just firing yourself off if you go to grab at something and then you swing. Yeah, right. So just make it worse. Yeah, yeah. So it's better to like the Untouchables. Yeah, yes. 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 You like <laughs> grabbing for a baby's, you know, carriage. Yeah. Yeah. People Taking other people you down. All the way down. Andy Garcia is going to slide in and catch the baby. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's probably better if it's like when you take a tumble, you know, skiing or snowboarding. We just, it's better to sort of get into the position to to not hurt yourself yeah. as you go down. Yeah, yeah. damn it. You don't want to stiffen up an arm to try and stop yourself because you could break. You it. break your wrist. I'm, yeah, right. I'm sorry to ruin the momentum of this conversation, uh, but. I just remembered how much I loved Andy Garcia in The Untouchables. I had completely <laughs> forgotten he was in that movie. Yeah. And he was fucking great. Yeah. Was fucking everyone was great in that movie. Yeah. It holds up. The Untouchables holds up. I, I'm loath to say it, but I, I've never seen that movie. What? I know. I know. It's crazy. It's been I, I've I literally bought it to watch it and I just have not seen it. I think if you watch it for the first time now Brian De Palma, right? Yes. Yeah. It yeah. might feel you might go. Oh, it's one of these movies. But when it came out, it was a completely unique... That's kind of why I'm afraid to watch it, because I, I, I just am afraid I'm not going to be able to appreciate it now as much as I would have appreciated it had I watched it 20 years ago, or f- even 15 years ago. You know what I mean? Right. And then I'm just going to be like, well, eh. 
Oh, it was so. It was. It you was like it, you like Costner? Yeah, I do. That's him yeah. doing his. I like all those people, and I like I like Andy Garcia. I love Sean Connery. He's in it, yeah. right? He is in it. Robert yeah. De Niro. De Niro's in it. Yeah, come on, yeah. Well, he's a good guy. Check it out. I am. Yeah, uh, check it out. I, I like De Palma too. Sometimes Snake Eyes, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> he's had a couple of misses. He's, you know, yeah, like he's making a movie is hard. Yeah, yeah you know, like yeah, making yeah. five every, a year is even harder. It's very difficult <laughs> uh, process. Although, let's give Brian De Palma a little bit of credit on Snake Eyes. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a he's got a birdman like oneer at the beginning of that movie that goes on for like I don't even know like maybe 15 minutes it's really? all shot the whole beginning of that movie is shot as a oneer do you remember that Yeah it goes yeah, in we'll and around a boxing uh, oh do we, we watch, watch it? it together yeah Yeah so it, it, and it's pretty astounding I mean there must have been cut points in there somewhere but I mean literally I mean, you know, everybody is, is tripping out over that Warner and Birdman, cause, and they should. It was, it was incredible. But De Palma, for such a bad movie, did such an amazing Warner at the beginning of Snake Eyes. It's worth seeing the, the first 15 minutes of that movie just to watch that. I almost think they could teach an entire class around Birdman and just the technical marveling that was... Cause I just, I just, when I was watching, I'm like, okay, that cl- they definitely, there was a bit of a dark spot there. That could have been the cut point. But it's still, you know. Well, it, look, if you can make the Avengers, I could, I could make anything look like it didn't cut, right. really. Yeah. I mean, but, but it doesn't change the fact that you would still have to choreograph it in a way. It's, it, it doesn't matter if you cut. It's still shot as a winner. And that's almost just as impressive to me. As actually making it a water. It's like I almost don't even care. It's just the fact that you were able to choreograph one camera to make it seem like the whole thing was just continuously well, we, shot. We did an episode like that this year. We yeah, we did. One continuous shot that's how long? 13 minutes? It's long. It's like 13 uh, minutes long. Yeah, yeah. 13 minutes. And it was actually coming off the – Birdman hadn't come out yet. It was coming off the heels of that one from True Detective that everyone was talking about. Oh, that yeah. amazing one that's in that movie. Uh, and, and we had a story that felt like it supported that. Um, that type of storytelling, doing the one or thing, and so we just as a challenge, and you know, we ten seasons in, you're looking for ways to, you know, spice it up, spice it up, <laughs> invite, spice, up, invite, spice up the marriage, invite another lover into the bed, yeah, try, exactly. try some butt stuff, yeah. you know, try butt stuff, yeah, yeah try a little yeah, butt. All stuff. right, time to try some butt stuff. Uh, yeah. Here's the 13 minute. Butt stuff. <laughs> uh, your, have you ever thought? I mean, I think people would people their piece of people's faces would melt off with rage if you did that because people hate change, but. It, it, let's say you get to like you know you're like season fifteen of the show and you're like you know fuck it and you just something happens and a meteor lands in the city and then everyone gets superpowers and the show completely genre shifts. <laughs> Have you ever do, like when you're pitching ideas do you do you ever just by getting to that point where you're like you know why why not? It, well, I, I don't think we would ever want to do anything that would change the entire trajectory of this. I will say, though, if we decided – if we collectively decided that we were going to do like a South Park thing, just like kind of keep it going forever, The Simpsons or whatever, maybe we would do something like that. But <clears throat> what we do – what we will do is entertain the idea of – you know, it's just about finding the way in. But mm-hmm. like, you know, in season four, we did a whole episode that took place in, the seven, in 1776. Right. You know what I mean? But we've, you've got to figure out a way to sort of – is our characters telling a story of something that Yeah, happened. a meteor lands in the city mm-hmm. and right. you all touch we could it. Do that for, we would probably do that for an episode. Yeah. I mean we've done, we've yeah. done a couple of horror – actually one intense horror episode. Mm-hmm. But it's still a comedy. It's, it's still like bending the genre but not really. It's still a comedy. Yeah, yeah. It's um, always sunny in Krypton? Like you just – it's like mm-hmm. a pre-Krypton mm-hmm. destruction. Um, everyone – 
Just kind of a one. Yeah, I mean, I think what so we could you get ha- away with you, it. you don't have enough superhero movies in the fucking. You got You have. You have no. to have it in no. TV. See, the irony is that it's the sun that ultimately destroys the planet. Right. Uh, so. Is that what happened with uh, Krypton? Well, it doesn't. This doesn't. There's some, like something something unstable about the core, and then I couldn't the, understand the words that to... came out of Brando's mouth. So I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. That's why the council didn't believe him. They were like, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. I can't, it's I'm going to convict him because I can't understand him. <laughs> 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 I'm going to act like what he's saying is false when really I can't understand. Planet's going to explode. Our lawns are going to get mowed. Why is that a problem? Why is that a bad thing? Planet's going to explode. Isn't the most the most recent one that they did? The most recent Superman wasn't it uh, some allegory to climate change? I feel like every yeah. every movie is some allegory for c- climate change now, yeah. where like th- something that they did, something that that the um, mm-hmm. what's the race called? Sorry, I don't what mean to the Kryptonians? You. What are they Kryptonians? Well, they're from Krypton. Yeah, okay. Kry- the Kryptonians did that accelerated the this process of their own destruction. Well, we're not right. called I Earthians. Believe. We we should be Earthlings. So Earth- oh, we are Earthlings. We yeah. are Earthlings. Earthlings. Okay, all right, fine. Uh, I think in the set, I, think, I think in the Richard Donner version I think in the Richard Donner version it was just if you don't listen to Brando. What are you guys going on about? Ah, just you know, reveling in being Earthlings. Sorry, sorry. It's a, a self-realization. What's your favorite Earthling thing to do? Uh, breathe oxygen. Mm. <laughs> Mine is to assume that everything we do here is the greatest thing in the entirety of the universe. It's not. Nope. Oh, <laughs> Earthling. <laughs> so Earthling. Vain Earthling. <laughs> Vain Earthling. I like referring to people as humans, but I think now Earthlings is kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, change it up a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, so you are you do have the freedom within an episode. To, it's like you said, you just have to find whatever mechanism that justifies why. Well, look, I think at this point, I think if all of us got really turned on at the idea of doing a really out there episode like what you're talking about, like the whole, it's just we're like, I think we, I don't think we would have any qualms about if the three of us were really passionate. We'd be like, let's do an entire episode as if the show took place on Krypton, right? And we all really wanted to do it. I think we'd be like, oh, fuck it, I don't care, right? Let's just do it and yeah. not even explain it. And let's that, just do it, because yeah. your audience understands. Like <laughs> sometimes they're going to do stuff in their yeah. Like we did, we did a, a sequence in which we we push into Charlie's head and into what like what he's thinking, and he thinks in cartoons. So it's a whole episode of us animated. But even that's more grounded than 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 the, the idea of just being like we're going to do an epi- entire episode as if this was a bar on the planet Krypton. By the way, I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm warming to this idea. The more I think about it, I'm like, you know, the more we scramble for new ideas, the more I'm like, yeah, fuck it, let's just do it. You know, I, I would not be against doing something like that, not explaining it. And then the next week, you're just back at Patty's on Earth, and who cares? It's like someone's wearing a dirty T-shirt, but it's like that that kind of reflective black with like a silver, like a, the weird, with like the weird Well, yeah, I, I, yeah. Like the Kryptonian yes. letters. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Just everyone with just pointed shoulder, you know, like... Uh, Old, like the sixties set dressing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like really as long bad. as you dress the space patties. As long as, long as you dress Devito up as Zod, I think. Yeah, yeah. I definitely like the idea of everything being space. So yeah. it's like it's like. Another would you like another space? space yeah. yeah, we're just in Sorry. space. You could just call it. Well, you don't have to. Well, you gotta hit the space head. Typical Earth. space head. Yeah. Twenty space bucks, please. Space bucks. Why are they space <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck it. You know why not? I, I think we've earned that right. You know, I don't know if we'll do it, but I think we've earned that right. I'm not. A, I'm not against it. So how do you? <laughs> do you guys bring in when you have? How much time do you have off from the show? Like, what's your production year like? 
It's about six months from writing, shooting, and cutting. Maybe seven months. It's actually pretty fast, it's, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. We we like I said we we you know we we surrounded ourselves with a lot of really great, smart people in terms of our crew and our post production uh, team. A lot of people who've been with us since the very beginning or close to it. And, um, you know, a lot of people just are really good at their jobs and it makes uh, us be able to do it much more efficiently. And the only reason we've been able to do it this long is because we cut the episode order back to 10 episodes a season and we can do it in a way that allows us to have lives outside of the show. Otherwise, I think we would have gone nuts. Do people constantly say things in front of you and go, you could use that? Like, do they Almost just every single day. Absolutely. Yeah. Good, because I have an idea. Uh-uh. <laughs> Okay, okay. I'm sure this is it's 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 just my liking to see universes collide. I love it. I by the way, I'm I'm all for it. I it doesn't mean we're going to do it, but okay. I, I I'm all for it. <laughs> so By the way, sometimes this happens and we have the person write it and then we go and make it. Oh yeah. I think a, it yeah. would be really amazing if uh if you and Louie guested on each other's shows, but as different perspectives of the same experience mm. where you cross paths and on your show, it's more your guys' perspective, and Louis kind of the guest. And then if you were to watch the at the Louis episode, yeah, you he would be in the foreground, and you guys would be in the background, so that you would get yeah. this 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 kind of like. And two it takes place in Fargo. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's you know what's interesting. Amazing. I think, yeah, I think you could absolutely do something like that. The place where my brain goes is because in my mind, Sunny weirdly takes place almost in like an alternate universe where. Okay. The rules are very similar to what they are in the universe, the, the dimension we live in, but they're just ever so slightly askew. Um, however, I will say that that's really only the case with our characters. Like when our characters go out into the world and we meet, you know, we sit across the desk from a, a normal guy, he's looking at us like, wh- where, what planet do these people live on? You right. know what I mean? Cause, so, so in your scenario, yeah, because Louis' show is so grounded and so No, no, real. but it's sort of like that as well. He goes into tangents yeah, of yeah. Uh, heightened reality. Yeah, you have heightened reality. It's, it's all right. – it's looking at the world through his perspective. Right. So sometimes in that, you can you know, do that. his girlfriend or a woman he's on a date with gets on a helicopter in the middle of the date yeah. and flies off into the city. Oh, yeah. Oh, the garbage yeah. men come into his, you know, his yeah. apartment. I just, I, just, I, I just think the creative exercise of yeah. you both sh- – you know, he shares an experience with you guys – and then you both come away interpreting it in different ways, but it's still, you know, it's still connected by, you know. Yeah, it's funny. You know, you don't see that very often anymore. These crossover kind of things, and um, you know, I mean, certainly the request I get a hundred thousand times a day on Twitter is that they want us to do a crossover with Workaholics. Um, oh, which, which makes a lot of sense in many sure. ways. Um, and I love those guys, and I think that show is really, really funny. Um, you know, so and, and it's funny. I, I, I guess it's it's. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why. I don't know why we don't entertain it more. Uh, maybe it's just the logistics of it seem a little bit daunting. Like, how are we gonna? But I don't know. I mean, it was just my way to pitch a mildly cringy idea, just to see. I, hey, it's I good, buddy. No, well, yeah, it's no, good. It's great. Okay, this call idea. Lou, you guys engaged. call Louie and see. If you he's guys cross it. over with the Property Brothers on HGTV, <laughs> and you, they're gonna help you find a home. <laughs> I, we've been we've been talking about a crossover with Game of Thrones, which I think would be. That'd be great. How would that work? It wouldn't. It wouldn't. But those guys wrote, those guys wrote an episode of our show. They did. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If anything, yeah. it would be you know it would be like the kind of the Krypton idea where it would be. Sunny. Is Danny Tyrion? It, 
No, they wrote they wrote an actual episode. Oh, I thought of you Sunny. meant there was a crossover where you guys no. played. No, 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 uh, no. They wrote an episode of Sunny two two seasons ago. Mm-hmm. That was that. So it kind of happened like this: where we were out to dinner, and they said, "Hey, we have an episode we want to pitch you." And they pitched it to me, and I was like, yeah, that sounds good. And they came in and wrote it, and then we didn't have to write that episode. That, yeah, yeah, right. It was yeah, one was, less episode for us to yeah, write. Yeah. <laughs> so like, was that strange to, to basically be saying someone else's? No, well, because we had them – there was a little bit more of a process there. We had them come into the writer's room, and we would pitch things, and we would kind of walk them through – how we break an episode and then yeah. they did a draft and then we, we sunnified it with them a little bit. I mean, cool. they came in with yeah. a really great idea that really sounded, I mean, very much like an episode of, of the show and which you'd be surprised at how often that's actually not the case with somebody thinks they know what the show is and they pitch us this thing. It's like that, that's so not anything. <laughs> sort of like what Chris just did. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> uh, it wasn't that bad. It was pretty good. <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, <laughs> hey, it was pretty good. I, it was. I, no, you don't have to. It's fine. Hey, don't be so mean to him. Hey, who, Whose side are you on? Hey, hey! I'm on no one's side. Yeah. I'm on my side. <laughs> uh, but they, yeah, they came in and and we we kind of we just boarded it out, you know, and 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 beaded it out and kind of changed their break a little bit. Went through the beats, you know, and then they went off and wrote a draft. We did some rewrites on it, but they gave us a pretty. I mean, it's turns the, out they're talented. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny, you know. We we get I get a lot more comments from the, the 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 community of drama television writers than I do from, and I think it's the same. Like I think for drama people, when they go home, you know, you spend the entire days breaking dramatic stories, really heavy shit. When you go home, the last thing you want to do is then also sit down and watch Breaking Bad. Right. No. You want to go home and you want to watch Sunny, or you want to watch The Simpsons, or you want to watch Workaholic. You want to watch something that's just like light and God, you know. So. There's That's a lot true. of people like, in the in the drama world who are like bigger fans of our show than people in the comedy world because it's not like when I go home I don't want to watch comedy I spend my whole fucking day working on comedy I want to watch in, heavy in the awful. last five years the 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 three shows that have reached out like various members of, of three shows that have reached out to us to say they like the show or come to set or we become friends Game of Thrones Mad Men and Breaking Bad oh wow so it's right. like zero comedy people. And I think that people just don't – they're like us. We go home and I would rather watch Mad Men than watch um, Parks and Rec. Not because I don't think Parks and Rec is a great show. It's just I'm doing that all day long. Right. Yeah, that's not, that's not taking a break from your work. In a way, you're gonna, I'm going to watch a comedy. I'm going to – You're going to be I'm analyzing gonna it. criticize it, analyze it. You know, and it's like I don't yeah. want to do that. You know? and, yeah. and that's not that I don't watch any comedy. I do. I do watch some, but, um, but not much. I mean, mostly I want to take a break from comedy and watch something else. Yeah, I'm kind of the same, I'm kind of the same way. Yeah. I do watch the uh, the true detectives of the world, which yeah. I still was hoping there'd be some weird supernatural element at the end of the show. I thought that's what they were leading up to. They did. They didn't. Huh? What are you talking about? The true detective? It was the, f- all- the final the no. entire final sequence that was, was completely th- supernatural. No, that was all about? an extension of the, all the drugs that were in his brain. He was having those weird visions. I don't think it was actually Wait a minute, what are you talking I- about? I'm I don't talking know what you're talking about, about the, the, Dude, the like most he went disappointing. Down, he went out to a little cave and yeah. found the man, and then but he saw that weird him. spiraling. That weird spiraling yeah. universe is sort of a is sort of a reference to the to the, I believe, right. just all the lore around Carcosa and like like throughout our his, like throughout literary history, right? Because it dates back to the 19th century. Like they're they're kind of constant references in that show yeah. to this old story that keeps getting retold. And but I, but I I read that as like not. Because I think if there were something supernatural, they would have paid it off more. Because now the they're you know they're they're just scrapping and starting over, so they're not going to expand on that. I think it was just because he had those weird visions throughout. Were, were the you show. disappointed in that final episode? Yeah, 
Yeah, I was. Like, I really, I, I felt like yeah, it was w- ten episodes of building up to to this a insane. Big, yeah, and all of a sudden it was like they just shoot him in the head, and they're like, yeah. Yeah. Now they're in the hospital making jokes, you know, like that kinda, was the, yeah. and also it, it, that he believes that the that the light is winning, right? Wasn't that like one of the final lines? Yeah, like good yeah. is triumphing over evil. Yeah, but the series didn't seem Did not to tell that story. That. Lots yeah, of no. people died. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I kind of I liked him in his dark place. To me, to me, I thought the show was building to something really big, but it ended like. The end of a procedural, right? Like, yeah. like, like, yeah. An, like mm-hmm. the end of a of an episode of just a regular procedural CSI type right. show, sort of like sort of like serial without even an ending. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Right, right. So it's like all of that and also not ending. Yeah. Right. <laughs> just no closure. Yeah. The same thing. Yeah, serial was uh, serial was a big oh, god. <laughs> it was so, it was it was entertaining many times, but. There were a lot of times where I was listening to it and I was like, I'm going to stick this out because I've spent so many hours with it already. I may as well see what happens at the end. And then at two episodes towards the end, I was like, this is, this is not going to end well for me. And but, I- <laughs> but were people that upset with the first Paradise Lost documentary when there was kind of – they didn't know who killed them. They didn't know – like you know with the West Memphis 3 documentary. Yeah. Right? I mean like it, it was 15 years and three documentaries worth until they actually got somewhat of an ending. And they're still like they're not sure who killed those kids. Yeah, so it's like it's it's very similar. Like I would argue I, I, that that is a in, in many ways a, a a better story though. Yeah, well, there's a more, more compelling. Story. I mean, if they, if Serial had delved into like but any it, of the it, racial implications of that town, uh, like like how you know in Paradise Lost they talked about like the you know against the occult and death metal and stuff like that. Yeah, right, but, right. Yeah. It's just super demonstrative of what we need in storytelling. Like it's just simply not entertainment alone. We need closure. Which I guess brings some some level of solace to the fact that we have no closure about our own lives when it ends, and we want to know that there's a go to heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Some Lord Jesus Christ, what are you you talking about? Some people have closure, and that's wonderful (laughs) for you. That's so weird you said that. It is. You know, this thing is super Christian podcast, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Well, it's uh, funny you say that because (laughs) now uh, we this is our segment called Pray On, and we're just gonna pray on stuff. Uh, Time to tell the good one. Pray on. Pray on. (laughs) But yeah, like that, that, I don't know, that said to, that told me a lot about myself and what I need out of a story or what I Mm -hmm. need out of entertainment, which is, Mm -hmm. look, it passed the time while I was sitting in traffic and I was riveted by it for hours. And yet I came out of it feeling like I had wasted my time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But meanwhile, I enjoyed it. Almost yeah. all the way through that. Because so, there's an open loop in your brain yeah, that wants to that needs be it. able to resolve that. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've said this a million times, but I think it's one of the greatest gifts that Vince Gilligan gave the Breaking Bad fans was, here is the ending in a bow. Here is what happens. And I think, you know, with, with stuff like True Detective or, or, or things that were the... I think showrunners, writers <laughs> tend to manipulate the audience by kind of presenting what seem to be outlandish premises. And so you go, okay, I'm on board. This feels weird. And I, I'd love to see how you wrap this up. And then they just get to the end and they realize like, oh yeah, well it's, you know, I think I was writing ahead of myself. It's actually kind of hard. I can't possibly wrap up all this all of yeah, crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah. They kind of write weird for the sake of weird because that's intriguing. Yeah. But without sticking the landing at the end and going, here, yeah, because that's very hard to do. It's yeah. very hard. Yeah, no, it is. Without, if you don't know exactly, if you don't exactly 
have a way to sort of tie up every loose end and you know but i know what you're talking you're talking about the the you're talking about more an innate human beings desire for there to be a neat ending you know uh because it it brings us some level of comfort because we don't have that in our lives yeah right no we don't yeah exactly we don't know how it ends what what about boyhood what'd you guys think about boyhood i I love i have not seen it yet yeah well it's it's very much it's just like it's one of those kind of slice of life Linklater movies were just like, you know, stuff happens and then it's over. Well, by the way, but, I think but, certain but things it, lend but it ended. I would say nothing really happens no, and then it's not, over. Yeah, nothing really yeah. happens but, but it, but because it's slice of life. But it does end because the story is of this, of this person's boyhood. His boyhood ends and then he moves on to something else. That's true. I don't think it I need an finality ending. to someone's yeah. life. I just need finality to the story that's being told. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's if right. Because, because boyhood didn't really set anything up during the movie – there wasn't really much to tie up at the end. Very true. You know, yeah, yeah. Sort of like, oh, he's living, he's living, he's living, he's living, and now the credits. But, Takes you know, drugs in the desert, becomes a man. That's right. But uh, Well, like the Game of Thrones guys are kind of right in the middle of that right now, which mm-hmm. is that George hasn't finished the, yeah. the, the books. He hasn't finished the book. And they're careening towards a, a season in which they're going to have to write without really knowing because George Y2K knows but hasn't, but hasn't written it yet. You know, and so... <laughs> They're they're writing these stories without exactly without knowing exactly what's going to happen at they're the end. They're going to cross the really event horizon, or they're going to get ahead of the. They're going to get ahead. They're of, getting really close. Yeah, which is sort of why that's why I think it was very smart for Walking Dead day one to be like it's a yeah. slightly different universe in the comics. So don't because it allows yeah, them right. to have yeah. two yeah. distinct. And, and Game of Thrones does that too, where yeah. they where mm-hmm. they'll they'll pull the rug out in certain storylines of certain certain characters. But it stays a little bit more true than I think Walking Dead does. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel the same way with you about True Detective where I did enjoy the ride. I enjoyed the process. I just really I, – I, my expectations were in one direction. And then at the end, I was like, well, no, they're just – everything's just – it's fine. Everything's just fine. Like this right. guy, the yeah. whole – What the fuck? Far yeah. worse, however, though, if they just never found the guy and there was no conclusion whatsoever, yeah. like in Syria. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Because at least you've got – at least it ended. But I don't – I, like, I think the other problem and, – and then, and then you really only get barely a glimpse of the guy – and he's doing weird accents, and you're like, eh, he's so he's crazy, or is it? And I, I, mean, I don't know. Like, I, I wanted there to be. He's like the the boss at the end of a level on a video game. You know like, that's how it came off to me. It's yeah. Like, oh, that's the weird big guy that you yeah. gotta. He throws you down and goes like, ha ha ha, ha. Yeah. and then like you have to hit him three and times. And while he's laughing, that's when you. Have that's to when you get. The, yeah, 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 yeah. He was King Hippo. King Hippo. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> he's basically King Hippo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I, I kind of wanted I wanted to kind of delve more into what he was about and yeah. how they and it just sort of you know ends it just ends yeah. yeah on a very strange note yeah yep what about like the the Sopranos did you like that ending no no I don't like I endings did. where they go I thought it was amazing yeah I don't I like endings it. where they just kind of go. Uh, it's up to you. Up to you. Like, no, it's not up to me. You're the fucking writer. It's up right. to you. Don't you know? I feel like that's that is uh, that's a cop out. Like like you cop out when you're writing a book report and you didn't read the whole book and so you end your book report going, if you want to find out what happens, read the book yeah. instead of just going, this is the definitive. I, I feel like because it's very hard, it's very hard to wrap things up in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a satisfying way. And so then I feel like the default is like, 
just make it weird and open ended, and then people will assign whatever they want I to think it. They I think did, it's a I think they did an incredible job of kind of giving you the same feeling that you know he would have of just kind of not knowing where he stands or if he's going to get killed right away. I or don't want that feeling. I am. Of course, I am, that's why you right. never got into a lot of crime. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Thinking about that it. That was a yeah. taste. Yeah, but they do set that up. They don't mm-hmm. they set up at, at one point in the series is like. The one second you're, the one episode second. right before yeah right the, the the second to last episode he says Bobby is, says yeah you 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 won't know when it's coming it'll just be one day you're you're having dinner with your family the next minute you're you're dead but didn't so the writer you, so, uh, so there you go so you know what happens but he said but I think the writer uh, was it uh, Chase mm-hmm. David Chase yeah yeah um, I thought he said in an interview recently that Tony Soprano does not die he did he came out and flat out said like oh yeah he doesn't he doesn't die right there. I haven't read. You know, this. You're shaking your head. <laughs> I had not I don't read that for a second. He's so fucking mad when he said that. Yeah. Like just because to me, I, I'm. No, I was just pointing it at you. Read, <laughs> no, Kyle, get it, get it. Read, so, I, I don't know. I take the opposite sort of approach to endings. Like I really like the the True Detective one. I felt like was a compromise because like I kind of like the existential way things end. Like I like Cormac McCarthy a lot, mm-hmm. where he's sort of like you're ruminating on this thing that like. Life, like you were saying, with like life and death, and the way you go is that you want that satisfaction, but you're not getting that satisfaction because neither the characters. Because that's I like a more true to life psychological yeah. approach to narrative, and I think that that in something like True Detective, what I kind of had to compromise and take out of it in that last sequence in the hospital is like in life you have these traumas that lead you to these like existential crises about stuff, but you do have these tiny moments where you move on and talk to your family and do other stuff and it's not resolved and none of it's going to go, but you still have to like learn how the light winning is like, Oh, that's right. I can't singularly focus on this thing because it's ultimately kind of meaningless in the right. long run. Yeah. But I don't, but that, you know, that to me is an art project. Like I feel like that's but, like, but watching... that's what making art is. I don't think so. I, I, I hear what you're saying, yeah. but I think, it's different than watching like The Wall, where you're like, "Oh, I'm supposed to feel all these weird things because that's what he's going through." Like, yeah. True Detective does not lead you down that path. See, it, I totally saw that. It leads you down a procedural path. I yeah, saw, but I always thought breaking down the concept of like a procedural thing into the context of having you do this existential thought, where it's like the thing they're focusing on is it's a two-hander, it's a magic trick, where right. they've shown you. That what you thought programmed by television and culture was not what they were trying to show you the whole time. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Do you, on that. Do you, do you also feel like yeah, that? First of all, Breaking Bad is probably one of, if not the greatest series in television. Yeah. Right? I loved Breaking Bad. I loved every second of it, and I loved the finale. But, but afterwards, I felt like that was great. It was totally um, satisfying. And I walked away and I haven't really thought about it since because I feel like it closed that loop and that's done. I'm done with that now. Mm -hmm. But I have thought about The Sopranos, you know, once every few months for the past few years because it feels like it's still ruminating in my brain, sort of what you were talking about. It still fucks with you. It still fucks with me. And I feel like that... There's something to that. And whether or not I want it or not is irrelevant because it's what they did. Yeah. And that's Mm -hmm. what you were saying about boyhood where it's like at first you didn't like it and then uh, then, like – but you kept on thinking about it. And isn't that something that like a good entertainment piece should – Bring you just I don't know, you. What's you to all this is coming back around to. <laughs> I got too many things in real life to think right. about. I don't. 
have time to be like, where'd they go after the desert? Like, I don't have energy. Yeah. I have work. And I just want shit wrapped up. Yeah, you my, don't brain, want... my brain is too feeble to be ruminating on things forever. Like, I don't... I God, don't... if yeah, if every single series you watched, like, ended that way, you'd have the ghosts of all these things, like, <laughs> weighing everything. you down. Yeah, it'd be like Tony Soprano in a bar with Al Swearingen, you know? Like... <laughs> Right. They'd be in cheers together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just all. Yeah. Like... But see that now. The, I, this is fascinating because this does not jive with the rest of your life, where you have willfully discouraged yourself from ju- from taking those the, those things that bring you instant gratification, whatever it's the alcohol sure, sure, or sure. cigarettes or caffeine sure. or whatever. You're in it for the for the long haul for the. For the for the more holistic experience of life, right? So sure. couldn't your art be consumed in the same way? I you like, know, by the way, a true storyteller, Rob McElhenney, bringing <laughs> things back around from the very beginning <laughs> so good. to so tie good. it up in a bow. Yes, the very end. that's the my cue. To, that's my cue to have them say it's over and we can get the fuck out. Yeah. Of <laughs> <laughs> I would say, and that was very skillfully done. Um, I, I would say that. Uh, that some things I enjoy that, but you know, a, a lot of times with television for me, I just kind of need it to be a little one dimensional. I need it to be a little more one dimensional. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to bleed into my life as much. If if I know that's going to be experience going in, then I'm okay with it. But I don't like being surprised by it at the end and feeling like my expectations were because in some cases I feel like it can be intentional, and in other cases I sort of feel like it's the writer just kind of copping out because it's very difficult to tie up the million loose ends that they released throughout the life of a series because they had to keep intriguing people to watch the show so they had to write weirder and weirder and weirder and then by the end they're like well I can't I can't fucking yeah just just sort of ends yeah I think some of it's a little Emperor's New Clothes and a little less like no man they're being artistic in some cases I think that's the case but I do agree with your point about Breaking Bad though like it's the closed loop and you're like yeah I got it it's all done Um, but uh, and now I feel like we're gonna end the podcast on an open loop because we didn't really solve anything Uh, you wanna just walk out without saying anything else And then it was just me, Jonah, here by myself for the first time, which seemed like in forever. I learned a lot this podcast in these past five years. But you know what? It's time for me to do a new thing. Jonah, turn that off! Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was watching uh, what Marathon and Wonder Years. I... Sorry. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you. Like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail, or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand Drunk Elephant was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies and brands to learn the real stories of how they built them 
In each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt and failure and talk about how they were able to overcome them on their way to the top. How I Built This is like a masterclass in innovation and creativity, a how-to guide for navigating life's challenges from the people who've done it all. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.